started a series, actually this was designed last year in October. I want you to turn to Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament. Malachi, once you find Malachi, chapter number three. Now, um, the sound in here because of the walls and stuff will carry rather quickly. So I'm going to ask every parent if they'll look up this way. Every parent if they'll look up this way. Every eye. If you will help me with your children during this time and even the pie and cake auction. We have a tendency when everybody starts talking and bidding, the kids just start talking and you don't pay attention. So with all the noise, please help me if you'll take them either right outside or at least all the way to the back during that time. Uh, I would appreciate that a great deal. Okay, Malachi chapter number 3. I want to read to you, start reading in verse number 8. Verse number 8. Of course, this uh, November and December, on every Thursday night, we're teaching on uh, finances, giving. And so I want to help you with that a little bit. The Bible says, starting in Malachi chapter 3, verse number 8, Will a man rob God? Question mark. Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now he's talking about Israel, but the principle, I'll show you in a minute, applies to us in the New Testament also. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. It doesn't go to radio teachers and TV broadcasters. and It doesn't do that. The storehouse in the Old Testament was there in the tabernacle. And now in the New Testament, it is in the local church. Okay. So, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me, now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. Keeping that in mind, go to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter number 6. Now we like hearing about revelation and we like hearing about the healing part. When it comes to money, we kind of withdraw and stare. Uh, it ought to be a rejoicing time just like any other truth in the Bible. And once you realize what this truth that God meant for it to be a truth and how it applies, you would understand why this is a great, great blessing to hear about how God wants us to give, how to give. And so I want to help you with that, which is what this is all about, okay? 1 Timothy chapter number 6. Go down to verse number 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Now we all like gain. We like profit. We like those things. But watch what he says. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. Everything we work and scrape and live so hard for, I hate to disappoint you. You ain't taking it with you. I don't care which way you go. Yep. Right. It ain't going. Right. Watch what he says. Having the food and raiment, let us therewith be content. But he, but they that will be rich, fall. Now these are people who would like to be, want to be, think they can be. These are people who will be. They're not yet, but they would like to be. Fall into temptation. If 
you stop and think about it. You think people with a lot of money have it easier. They don't. That's right. They have to face a lot more temptations, a lot more calls from relatives yeah. they never knew they had, on and on and on. But they that will be rich fall into temptations and snares and be a trap. And into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drowned men in destruction and perdition. Perdition here not meaning hell, is meaning a complete destruction or ruin of something in their life. Verse number 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some covet after, they have erred from the faith. All the stories I could tell you about people who came here with nothing, and as they begin to increase, yeah. they're not here. Yeah. 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 Wow. You know this church, actually there are five or six now millionaires that came out of this church. They weren't when they were here, but they came here and had nothing. Families falling apart. Marriage is on the line. Uh, driving an old VW held together with bailing wire and duct tape. Duct tape is good for everything. And uh, then they started doing what God said to do. Yielded to God, obeyed the Lord, and lo and behold, opportunity after opportunity opened. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, what's it say here? They have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. We tend to believe a person with a lot of money don't suffer like we do. They don't suffer like we do, but they suffer. Yeah. So here's what you have to understand. But thou, O man of God, flee these things. Godliness, I'm sorry, flee these things. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Now, this is what he's talking to about those that will be rich. Now, let's go to those that are rich. Drop down to verse number 17. Charge them that are rich, and you're uh, not talking about in spiritual blessings, because he says in this world. He's talking about material things, money and material things, okay? That they be not high minded or trust in uncertain riches but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. That's all it's for. It's just to use for right purposes and enjoy. Other than that, it really should carry no more meaning than that. But the world has convinced us, oh no, oh no, this is what you want. And we, we fell into it. We believed it. And so watch what he says. They that, so he says, um, but the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Now he's talking about those that are rich, that, that they do good. They be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, line up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. He's not talking about buying eternal life. The life God gave you, you want to lay hold on that? Quit letting this kind of stuff run and ruin, uh, rule your life and determine what you can and can't do. So don't let that kind of stuff happen to you. So I want to talk to you about this tonight. I want to talk to you about proving God. Proving God. Wow. Is that all the way out there? Well, I'm glad our nursery's here and we're all the way up there. <laughs> Love kids. Um, God asks us to prove Him in our life. Do you know in Malachi is the only place in the entire Bible where God says, prove Him. You don't believe it? Put me to the test. Let me tell you how to do that. And so what He uses here, the only place in the entire Bible to prove Him, to see if what God says is really true. No place else. 
Not about sacrifice, witnessing, building a church, preaching. Not in another place does he say, prove me. But he proves himself all the time. Right. But in this particular place, he says, why don't you put me to the test? Come on. Prove me. See yeah. if what I'm saying is not true. Of all the subjects and areas of life that God could have pointed to or used, tell yourself, why did he choose money and material things? Mm -hmm. Why did he do that? Out of all the other things, well, it's the love of kids. He could have said that if you don't love kids. You know, you're out of here. But he didn't say that. He used money and material things for you to prove him so that he could prove himself to you. Right. You understand? Yeah. So watch what happens here. Now, you're, you're thinking along because Malachi, everybody knows Malachi. Oh, preacher, you're talking about the tithe. No, I'm not. I'm not talking about the tithe. I'm talking about everything that prospers you materially and monetarily. So what we have here is not only is God concerned about the tenth, you know what the tenth is? Another word would be tithe, right? Right. right? So that part we've already discussed belongs to God, and for you to keep that and use that is robbing somebody else. Mm -hmm. uh, now they said, when did we rob God? Please understand, the local church in the New Testament is called the body of Christ. All right? When you decide to take what God says is mine for Him, you are inflicting injury upon the local church, which is the body of Christ. You are robbing God. You know the difference between thieving and robbery? One, I'm going to do it. I don't care what happens. I don't care who has to get hurt. I don't care who's watching. I'm getting what I want. The other one is, I hope nobody notices. And so here's the things that we find out about here. God is as concerned about the 90% that He gives us to see. Okay, the tenth is mine. Just to be honest, let me see if you'll give that back to me like I asked you to. Okay, now that, that's gone. That was never yours to consider. Now I've got 90%. And God says, okay, I'm not putting my claim on it, but I'm really interested in see how you want to use that. This, these are the principles in the Bible that God talks about. And, and I can prove it. We get real tight and testy when it comes to talking about money and material stuff. <laughs> because we hold a great value to that. Yeah. I think it ought to be handled right. But I'm, I'm afraid many hold it past a value that God ever intended. Right, yeah. And have, as it says in First Timothy, we've pierced ourselves through with many hurtful things. Mm -hmm. Fallen into traps. And also many people have left God because of it. God never intended to do that way. The greatest promises of severe promises or curses, you will find out as you read the Bible, has to do with monetary things and material things. Some of the greatest curses in the Bible is not handling it right. Some of the greatest blessings in the Bible is handling finances and material things right. It bothers me when people don't take care of their cars. You say, that's because you do. Why do I? I am a steward of everything God gives me. Mm -hmm. So I try to take care of my clothes. I try to take care of my house, my car, my church, everything about it. Because we are a living example of God's principles and truth, or should be. And so when God gives me something, God says, here you go. That's for you. Okay, because it's mine, I'm like Joseph in the Old Testament under Potiphar's care. Everything that I have belongs to my master. It's not mine to do with what I want. It is mine to do with what will prosper him and help his kingdom to go on. You have to keep this in mind. Folks, we're not staying here forever. You kind of know that, right? Amen. But we keep acting like, well, we need to drive these stakes in deeper. That is American humanistic philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. 
can all you get, and get all you can, and all that kind of stuff, you know? And uh, hang on to it. And, and so somebody, my wife or somebody just told me the other day about a guy who is, I think, 95 years old, still working, <coughs> is already worth millions, and saving it all up, doesn't hardly spend it on anything. You say, boy, that's just a smart thing to do. Question, when he dies, what in the world has it done to help not only other people, but the cost of Christ? Right, yeah. Right. We're not thinking anymore. We're just doing what insurance companies and health providers have told you. You better say, you never know. I'm sorry, I know the person who doesn't. And I'm not asking you to be frivolous. I'm just saying, let's handle God's things the way God wants us to and see, put God to the test and see if it'll work this way. For example, in the New Testament, go to Matthew chapter number 23. Matthew chapter number 23. <clears throat> now, if you've been in church for very long, you know Jesus never had hardly anything good to say about the Pharisees. I mean, just it's like, okay, you guys are snakes, vipers, whited sepulchers, uh, you're full of dead men's bones. I mean, he really didn't have anything good to say about them at all, except this one particular time. And it has to do about our subject. Watch what he says in Matthew chapter 23 and verse number 23. Woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. What a way to start a conversation. Oh, hypocrite, where have you been? You know, I mean, who starts a conversation like that? Your lovely, loving Lord did that. Okay? Jesus loves everybody. Well, it doesn't sound like it right here. So watch what he says. Watch. Ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. Those are some of the smallest seeds and, and, and uh, spices that you can find. He said, you're so particular that even when it comes to the smallest seeds, you go, one, two, three, four, five, six, eight, nine, okay, that belongs to the Lord. And they went through this whole real roll every month, every week, whatever they did. And watch what he says. Now watch. Don't, don't get sidetracked. Watch what he says. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe, that's a tenth, of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. Stop. Stop reading. Look up here. Stop reading. You won't do it anyway. You're rebellious. Now, watch what happens. What he's saying is, you really pay attention to every particular tenth that comes my way. Mm -hmm. He wasn't faulting them for that. Yeah. But he said, look what you're overlooking. Mercy. You're overlooking mercy. You're overlooking judgment. And you're overlooking faith. Now, watch his uh, final... Uh, judgment on what he just said. Watch. These you ought to have done, talking about law and judgment and mercy, and not to have not to leave the other undone. Talking about the time. Right. He said, you you left out the weighty things. Uh, that doesn't mean you, you leave out the tithe. He said, that you should have done, not to leave these others undone. So he was praising them or using them as an example, saying, look, I know you do that part right. Look what you're leaving out. So that God, even in the New Testament, talks about, are you ready? Those of you who struggle with tithe, talks about tithing in the New Testament. You say, I tithe. If it's not to a local church, where are you sending this? So here's what we have here. So number one, God asks us to prove it. You know what God is saying? God is simply saying, look, let me, let me help you. I need to know some things about you. He already does, but we don't know. I give tests to the high schoolers. And still do that. And uh, I tell them, and they'll say like, yes, preacher, come on, we know this stuff. And I said, okay, then the test ought to be easy. Mm -hmm. 
You should pass the test. We do not give grades, they earn them. Yep. So we don't we don't tell them, okay, then you are if you know, okay, if you know how to use money right, this shouldn't be a problem for you. You should go right. like Amen, preacher. That's exactly right. That's amen. the way things ought to work. Right? right. And besides that, when you amen and shake your head, let's everybody around you know that, yes, I agree with the preacher, I agree with the Bible. Amen. So, yes, amen. 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 And to do that and not do it, you're lying, right? Amen. Is that why you're not doing it? Number two, the problem is the root of all evil or the love of money. In Timothy, we just went from there in chapter 6, verse number 6 through 12 and 17 through 19, we learn about those that will be rich and what they run into. You know, you know why they run into all these problems? Because they want more money and stuff. And that's just going to lead you into trap after trap and heartache after heartache. And even if you gain everything you think you ever want, it's all staying here when you leave. And how are you going to tell the Lord, thank you for everything you gave me. I held on to all of it and didn't help anybody mm -hmm. but myself. This is the idea behind the guy that one had five talents, one had three, and one had one. One had five, invested it, and gave God back more than what he gave him. The one with three ended up with five and said, and what did he say? Well done. Well done. God expects a return on his investment. Why do you think he left you here? To do what you want, survive the best you can? No, he saved you, left you, and gave you stuff to invest what he gave you into his work. And when he comes back, there's called a reckoning day. It's like, okay, let's see how we did. So he comes to the one he gave five talents or money to and says, well done. Well, you invested. Look what you're giving back to me. Enter into the joys of the Lord. <clears throat> the next guy comes in. He says, how did you do? Oh, so you took the three I gave you, turned it into five. That is great. Thank you so much. Now, they didn't do the same amount, but they both brought back more. Mm -hmm. The one with the one, remember what he did? He buried it. In the earth. How many Christians take everything they've been taught by God or godly parents, yeah, yeah. take all that talent, all that ability, that money-making ability, those material things you're good at working with, and the only people that advantage it is stuff out in the world. Yeah. So when the Lord comes back and you stand there with nothing to offer Him other than, I didn't do anything wrong. No, but you didn't do anything right. Mm -hmm. right. So here's what he says. In 2 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 through 12, those that will be rich, and he tells you, and then in verses 17 through 19, those that are rich. Not merely is it the love of a lot of money. We tend to believe that uh, the love of money means the love of a lot of money. There are people in prison right now who robbed people, got 20 bucks out of it. They wanted money. Mm -hmm. yeah. They got 20 bucks out of it and they're in prison. Yeah. yeah. He said, why would they do that? Love of money. Yeah, yeah. They just wanted more. That's all. Right. And so what happens here is this. It is the overwhelming desire to have, to accumulate it, to have what it can bring. It, that's what advertising does. Advertising tells you what your money and stuff can bring you. Yeah. And it just keeps holding that in front of you. Seriously, tennis shoes for two, three hundred dollars. <laughs> Who would do that? Who would buy a pen for two hundred and something dollars? A pen. You see this pen right here? Two hundred and fifty bucks. Before you get excited, I didn't buy it. You know how many big pins I could get for two hundred fifty bucks? I could, I could get all the truckload full of them. Somebody, it's not that I don't appreciate it, but please understand. Sometimes we do some very, very foolish stuff. God's not against you having a nice thing. Good night. Job was the richest man on the east. Abraham had flocks and herds and servants. 
problem was they weren't going after life to get that right. stuff. Mm -hmm. right. yeah. They walked with God and followed God until God said, here, that's for you. And here, yeah. that's for you. Yeah. Because God knew they could handle things right. So God gave them more. You don't have to struggle with this. Take what God has given you. Work it the way God wants you to and let God worry about all that. God knows that riches and stuff pull on us. That it's, it's influence on, on our behavior is, is great. And how we trust it. Oh, how we trust money and material things. When, when guys meet, we talk about certain things. Where'd you go to school? Where do you live? What do you do for a living? And we were trying to figure out, okay, how much does he make? And he does this. And, yeah. That's just the way we go. We don't go like this. So, how much scripture can you quote? We don't do that. So, when's the last time you want somebody to the Lord? We don't talk to each other. We talk in material stuff and monetary stuff. Yeah. We do. And then, of course, education, because that's the ultimate, right? That's what we do there. When, when I give it to God and handle it as He instructs, then God proves in my life, by me trusting Him, okay, God, here, I'm going to give this to you. God said, so you're putting me to the test now. Yes, sir. You told me to. That's what I'm going to do. So God in return says, you can trust me. Watch what I'll do. Okay, that doesn't mean I give something this weekend, next weekend, I have a whole bunch. <laughs> this is over time. God is more concerned about your character. Yeah, than amen. Your amen. God is more concerned about you learning to live and act like he wants you to yeah. than you having things easy in your life. Right. Right. One yeah. will last a whole lot longer than the other. Yeah. So this is what God's trying to do here all the time. He wants to bless me. God wants us to learn and to know we can trust Him. Now, we come to church and we say, I can trust the Lord. Can I ask you a question? How do you know that? Come on. Yeah. How do you know you can trust the Lord? Come on. No. Have you ever proven it with something tangible? Not like, well, I was thinking about God the other day and He showed me in a vision. First of all, that's a lie, but mm -hmm. Amen. here's what you have to understand. Something tangible like, oh, my wallet. Something visible that I can actually say, one, two, three, yeah, it kind of adds up. Something, when's the last time, you, have you ever proven God with something that you know and something that He knows and you said to yourself, He did it? So, when can you do that? How do you know God can be trusted? Have you ever, uh, have you ever with anything tangible and precious to you, proven God? Now, what's precious to us is not just our children, contrary to popular belief. Our retirement. <laughs> our vacation money. Our home. Yeah, I'd do anything to keep those things. Okay, I'm blame you. Let me ask you a question. When you die, or God's church is hurting, and you hang on to what you have, God puts you in a church for you to help that church. Why do you think you're here? Yeah. To give your talent, your time, your treasure to God for His purpose. You're investing what He gave you back into His work, the local church. Okay? This is what God wants us to do. Go to Ephesians chapter number 3. Ephesians chapter number 3. I, I think sometimes we fight against ourselves. By the way, let me say this lest I forget. The uh, Thanksgiving offering uh, was very, very kind. Thank you very much. Um, the church did very well. Some of you are going, how could they do that? 
I want you to understand something. Some of you, let me help you younger people understand something. When you get to be my age, you start thinking about stuff and security. You just do. So for older people who normally have more money because they've learned, give, they're taking some of their security and handing it off. It's kind of like the widow with two mites. What God wants, and that's what's most necessary. So she gave it, and God turned around and actually pointed and said, fellas, come here, what do these people give? You see those guys, yeah, yeah, they're doing right. They're giving a lot, but they have it. They're giving up their abundance, so they should. But you see this woman right here? Now watch her, watch her, watch her. You say, she didn't give near as much as they did. I know, she gave a lot more. Because she gave all that she had. So it's not the amount. Who was it? David Chris? What did you say? What was your name? Was David Yeah, I know you're sitting back here. What was that thing you brought up to me the other day? It's the preacher man when you used to say, it's not the amount, it's... Not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. Not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. No. Everybody in here should sacrifice. No. Not the same amount. That's impossible. Good work. Right. But everybody should say, we can do something. Yeah. Like, like those in Macedonia, right? And Paul said, how in the world did you guys do all this? I expected this, but even that was going to be going something. Look what you did. And they first gave themselves to God and to us. You remember that lesson the other night? In Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 20 and 21. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundant above all that we ask of him. Have you ever tried to find out what all God really is capable of in your life? No, 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 quick guess. Well, you know, I was wondering the other day, and somebody stopped. No, not that. Something very tangible, very precious to you. And you had to trust God. I mean, there was no way out. You didn't I challenged uh, some of our staff the other day, and I said, when was the last time that you prayed for something and told nobody about it? How do you know God even answers your prayer? Well, the Bible says so. No, I said, how do you know When's the last time you prayed? Well, I, uh, we got groceries again this week. You've done that for decades. I'm talking about something. It's a need. You don't share it with anybody. You didn't tell anybody. You didn't pray openly. Oh, God, just between me and you, I'm hoping that somebody... No, not that. Nobody knew but you. And only God can answer that prayer. Have you ever done that? I'm not talking about healing. We have what we call healers. They're called doctors. Yeah. Right. I'm talking about something nobody knows about. Nobody. You didn't share it with anybody. Then how do you know? How do we know that God answers prayer? Let me give you for instance, and we'll close up here. Listen. Years ago on the outside of town, we were building our first building. It was a 40 by 40 by 45, something like that, block building. We got all the block up, got the roof on, we got the pins in the ground, the gravel all spread. We're standing there, all of us standing in the doorway on a Saturday afternoon, we're kind of staring. And thought to ourselves, none of us knew how to lay concrete. We didn't know how to spread concrete. We were good at laboring, but we didn't know how to finish concrete. We didn't know. So we're standing there, we've been praying, God, we're going to get to this place, we're going to have to stop because we don't know anybody. He said, well, probably somebody talked to somebody. While we're standing there, a guy pulls up in the parking lot, outside town. He walks up, introduces himself, and he says, I've uh, been watching you guys build. What are you doing? We told him. He said, oh, can I look? 
he looked inside and said, oh, you got the pens and everything ready to go. Who's doing your contract? Well, that's why we're standing here. We don't know anybody. I just moved in around the corner. I've been watching what's going over here. I happen to own a concrete company. I wouldn't believe it if you told me either. Now watch. The guy said, I've got all the laborers. You pay for the concrete. We'll take, he had the paddles, if you know what that means, to smooth out the concrete. He had the professionals to drag it and do all these other The pins were already there. He checked them again. He said, you did a good job up to here. So when he was done, you won't believe this, I don't think it was a month later when you saw him again. He came in when needing, and after that, he was gone. Yeah. Yeah. Prayer. Yeah. Yes. It's not like somebody could, oh, yeah, well, let's do this. No, have you ever done? Okay, how about your money? Who do you trust? Your bank or God? Who do you trust? Giving to the Lord or giving and saving for yourself? I'm not against you saving for yourself. I do. Mm -hmm. I try my best to do because I spend a lot here lately, but I'm trying my best. You know, there's a, there's a freedom that comes along with just, man, it doesn't matter. Let me go help. We get so tight when it comes, and I mean tight, when it comes to money and material stuff. Why? We work so hard for it. I'm sorry, I thought you said God gave you that. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> that's what we do, right? Okay, let me go to the next point here. Okay, Ephesians 20, chapter 3, verse 20. Now, unto him who is able to do, listen what it says, exceeding abundant, abu abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in his church, by Christ Jesus, throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. God challenges and invites us to prove Him. He wants to show you He will do what He said. And specifically in this area, and that's why there's such a big fight. God right. said, look, I want to prove myself. That's why there's a big fight. You think the devil, the world, and your flesh want you to prove God that He can be trusted? No. Because once you learn that, it's like God's always taking care of us. Mm -hmm. God will still take care of us. Right? No, you don't believe that? Your health goes bad. Will you start praying to God then to help you do what's right? Mm -hmm. But as long as we have strength and we can push on, we're not careful. We start sidestepping God. Number three. No matter how long they have been saved, some cannot seem to get ahead yet. You know people like that? They've been saved for a long time. No matter what happens, they just can't seem to get ahead. I'm not talking about when the economy's there. Even when the economy's good, it's like they can never get ahead. It's like we barely got bills paid off. We're able to make it to church. And that's it. That's, how, that's all the far they can go. Always just one step ahead of yesterday. Now, I know what I'm talking about. My wife's in the nursery. I thought she was a little old to be in there, but that's what she did. When we were first saved, we were those people that I tell you, don't be. We're going to pay electric this month. But we're going to have to let the gas go this month. We'll pay on gas next month and let electric go. We were always two or three months behind on everything. Everything I tell you you shouldn't let do, that's what we did. You know why? Nobody taught me mm -hmm. how to handle finances, how to balance a checkbook, how to increase your credit without going in the hole, how to do all these other things nobody taught me. So God said, I'm going to have to teach you character, godly character on how to control things. Because preacher, I wouldn't even be a preacher then. You're going to have to teach other people. Now, can't you imagine me going in the hole and can't pay my bills and I'm telling you this? That's not going to work, is it? So God has to teach me some things. Always just one step ahead. Some cannot get victory over their sins. Why is that? 
Why is it? Why can't we overcome whatever the case is? Some say that God can meet their needs, but personally have never proven to themselves in a tangible, measurable way that they can trust God. And one of the areas God invites us to try to prove that is our money and material things. They have been robbing God. So many times God, because they are His children, God allows them to just be behind enough to still need Him all the time. God, they just break even so God can get His... Look, you can give God His tithes or God can take it. Mm -hmm. um, One will not come with extra blessings and increasing you. Yeah. And the other one will. I like what Mrs. Usher always said. Brother Usher's back here. And uh, when I would preach like this, and I've told you this before, she'd look at him. We've been paying our tithes and offerings, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, just want to make sure. And she she was raised and was in a Catholic church for a long time. You know, there's a lot of false calls. If they do anything right, almost even beyond what's right, it is giving money. Baptists who have the truth, most of the time, not a lot of people. A lot of people are so stingy. Yeah, look at all the blessings that God gives us. False cults and stuff. You know one of the richest cults, religions in the world are the United Methodists. They believe in baptismal regeneration. They don't really believe that God can forgive all sins. I yep. mean, they're going, and now they've become so liberal, homosexuality, and, and trans this and trans that, and, and whatever else. And people just keep giving millions of dollars to these people. There's a guy not long ago gave, I think it was 20-some million dollars to an old United Methodist church out in the country who was just nice to him one day. I try to be nice. <laughs> we can't even pay our bills sometimes. I don't get it. Some things can be backward. So what happens here is this. Some say they, they, can't, they can't meet their needs, uh, but personally have never proven to God in something tangible. God's going to get His tithe and His pledges. You made pledges to God? Read Ecclesiastes. Yeah. God said, I would rather you never made a vow or a pledge than not keep it. He also says, don't say, yeah, but I made a mistake. He absolutely says in there, don't do that. Yep. The angels are listening. Mm -hmm. Watch it. They don't understand how we give God our word and then don't keep it. They just don't understand that. Yeah. See, that's kind of what Satan did. Mm -hmm. He just doesn't understand that part. God's keeping many people needing him so that one day he can actually prove himself to them. Wow. God's not trying to be mean. God is trying to help you. And then lastly, if we do not willingly give God what is His, He will allow that which should have advanced us, should have advanced us, should have provided for us, should have protected us, should have blessed us to be devoured. Mm -hmm. Somebody told me the other day, said, Preacher, you see the suit I've got on? I've had this for the, I've had like 20 years. Look brand new. You ever notice how fast you run through stuff? You barely buy it and it breaks down. You turn it around, somebody stole it. Well, it's kind of normal around here, but anyway. Yeah, you ever notice that kind of stuff? Have you ever wondered why? If you're living for God and all, now some things happen to even good people, we all know that. But I have a question for you. Why is it you can never seem to get ahead very far? And God brings you to a point 
And now you have to make a decision. You made the wrong decision. And back you go again. Mm -hmm. God's very serious about this money and material thing. Very, very serious about this. God is not going to give us more of anything that we do not handle the least of properly. Do you know what the least is? I want you to go to Luke chapter 16. Uh, oh, good. We don't have a clock, so I need to pay attention. <laughs> Luke chapter number 16. God wants us to prove Him, and the very least that God wants us to prove and trust Him in, here we go again, ready? Money and material things. If God cannot trust you to handle things, you say, I think I am. Sorry, sorry, stop, stop. It's not what you think, it's what God teaches. Okay, if right. I'm not doing it this way, I'm not doing it the right way. Okay? So God wants us to learn these things. Now watch what happens here. Go to Luke chapter 16, verse number 9. Luke 16, verse number 9. And I say unto you, make to yourselves, I'm sorry, make to yourselves friends of mammon of unrighteousness. He's talking about money and material things. He didn't say lust after him. He said make friends of them. Know how to use it. Know how to get it. Know how to work it. But watch what he says. That when you fail, you may be received, uh, they, I'm sorry, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. Ready? He that is faithful in that which is least. In context, he's talking about mammon. Look up the word mammon. He is talking about money. He's talking about material things. Things of this world. Okay? Is faithful also in much. So he that is faithful in least, in context, he's talking about mammon, is also faithful. So if I can trust you with that which belongs to another man, and you do it right, I can trust you with anything. There are people in this room right now that actually know the code to my garage, can walk in and out of my house, Open up, the, open up the refrigerator, which is where my valuables are, and help themselves to that. I can leave stuff laying out, and honestly, I have no worry about that whatsoever. None. But you and I both know people who go, I don't know if I'd do that if they were there. Why is that? Because some has said, Preacher, here, you drop this. this I think all this belongs to you. Right. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. You prove, you prove, you prove. In return, I prove. I trust you. Here you go. Brother Pledger has worked on my house before. I pay him, so don't get excited. And uh, my next door neighbor says, well, it might be nice to have somebody stop in. You don't have to pay. I said, excuse me? But that guy kind of works at the church, so he does that for you, right? I said, he does that for me, but I pay him. Not near what he's worth. Right, Sharon? Okay. Yeah, I meant to talk to you. So what happens is he goes over there and he doesn't even have a key. He knows how to get in. Now the front door's broken and the back and doesn't work anymore, but he knows how to get in. So watch what it says here in Luke chapter number 16, verse number 11. If therefore you have not been faithful, this is not a one-time thing. Right. Faithful. In the unrighteous mammon, any guess as to what we're talking about here? Material and money, in, in particular, okay? Who will commit to you and to your trust the true riches? Mm -hmm. I mean things with real value. Who in the world, why in the world do you desire to preach for God's holy, eternal word? You can't even handle finding the least. Okay, I'm, I'm going to start you off with trusting with the least. And you can't be faithful with that. God said, I can't trust you with anything. 
even here in this church, you don't pay tithes and give offerings and help around here. I don't care how talented you are, I can't use you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You say, I just think that's me. No, it's Bible principle. Right. Yeah. God says, I can't trust you. I'm yeah. Lord, should I trust you? Yeah. I didn't say I didn't like you. I just can't trust you. Yeah. I'm going to hand you something even more valuable, and you approved in that which is the very least that you can't be trusted. This is God's evaluation of things. Look at the next verse here. And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give unto you that which is your own? God said, look, I've got all this stuff that should be yours. I can't give it to you. I let to see what you're going to do with his. And you didn't handle it right. What he's saying is, I gave you stuff that belongs to me. Another man's. It's mine. You didn't handle it right. How am I going to give you what's really yours? You can't even handle another man's stuff right. You think if we handle anybody's stuff right, it'd be stuff. Okay, when I borrow somebody's lawnmower or their car or something like that, it comes back better than it was when you got to me. You let me borrow your car, you let me borrow your truck, whatever the case is, I'm going to put gas or fuel in it, fuel, hopefully not, <laughs> diesel in there, I'm going to make sure that my muddy feet all over here is not going to be there. I use your lawnmower, I'm going to make sure that it's clean, it's filled up with gas, when I give it back to you. I didn't think about things like that. You need to learn. <laughs> you need to learn. Right. These are the things just like being in church. We think coming to church is just for us. No, it's for God and others. But he wants to do it through you. So God's trying to help us out here. So go down to verse number 13. I'm sorry, verse number 12. If you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? Many of God's children pray for God to bless their lives while they're robbing him at the same time. Mm -hmm. yeah. Try that with your own dad or mom. Reach into her wallet, her purse or his wallet, pull out $20, and later on that night... Dad, can I borrow $10 from you? You're my mom. You're supposed to help me. You robbed me. You took money that was not yours. That was my money. And you took it saying it's mine. I'll do what I want. And now you want me to turn around and be a blessing to you? Even on this earth, that doesn't make sense. God will get his tithes and offerings. He will take it from you. And you'll not receive Even though he gets it, you're not going to receive the blessing for it. Or we can give it to him willingly, honestly. And God promises, I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. Now there are people I'm looking at in this room right here that can prove everything I just Amen. said. Amen. Yeah. No. I didn't say it was easy to start learning. Because our flesh, by its very nature, is selfish and stingy. Yep. It's just the way we I worked hard for that. That's all mine. That's just where we are. And it is yours. And you have nobody to blame when judgment day comes on how you use that. But just remember, we brought nothing into this life. And it's evident we can take nothing out. Boy, we're sure saving for that rainy day. Well, when it's pouring down rain in your church and people need help, you hang on make sure you're every man for himself. That's not Christianity. So that's all I've got. Father, thank you for